Gather round, circle up, fill the cup, spill the tea. Just believe, just believe the diamond dogs are here. And that means that you're not alone. We get one shot at this life. And heaven knows, heaven knows that we try, that we try. The diamond dogs are here. If you feel like you've lost your fire, especially during the Great Resignation in the wake of a global pandemic, you're not alone. People are rethinking life choices and life paths like never before. Lucky for you, it's not a road you have to walk alone. Igniting the Firestarter Within chronicles Jason Barnaby's and several other leaders' journeys, from corporate professional to solopreneur. This book will help you find your fire, fan the flame, and tend your tribe as you work to uncover the real you. Want to accelerate your results? Check out 30 Days to Blaze, a 30-day practical step-by-step guide to finding and feeding the fire inside of all of us. You can get both on Amazon.com. Hello and welcome to episode five of season two of the Diamond Dogs podcast. I am Beth Rashley and I'm here with my good friend, Jason Barnaby. And we're excited to be spending more time with you today talking about this episode, which is called Rainbow, which has a really sweet story behind it that we'll tell you more about later. But let's start by kicking right into our recap, get ourselves grounded in what's happening on the show. So Nate, in order to impress his parents on their anniversary, is trying to reserve a window seat at their favorite restaurant. Um, But the hostess is not going along with that at all. Not at all. And that ends up being a big part of this episode, that storyline. Richmond continues to struggle in part because um, Isaac is overthinking a bit and he's struggling to lead as a new um, captain. Rory takes Ted and Isaac to a soccer field near, near his childhood home and gets Isaac to play a pickup match with a bunch of um, just neighborhood people. And Isaac ends up having a blast and regains some joy for the game uh, from that interaction, um, which you can tell makes Roy super happy. Keely and Rebecca teach Nate how to be more assertive and confident. So funny. Which is a great, that's one of my favorite parts of this whole episode. And that allows him to get this window seat. So that actually does pay off for him. And then Roy goes back to commenting on Soccer Saturday. And as he's doing commentary, really sees Isaac stepping up to the plate and has this realization that, you know what, he's supposed to be coaching, not commentating. And they do a great romantic comedy kind of yep. <laughs> of getting him to that. Yeah, there's a definite rom communism theme to this, which I'm excited to to unpack. So, so just good. lots of good stuff. It's a great, it might be my favorite episode of the entire show. If I had to pick one. Yeah. And if you are a fan of, of rom-coms, then there are so many nods and I'm sure, I mean, we picked up on several, I'm sure that we missed some. So we would love to hear your comments if, if we missed one that you see, but there's so many, so many, so many. Yeah. And, and you have to really, again, be paying attention because they're they're subtle, but so funny. Oh my gosh. And just a really cool, like theme threaded through the whole episode. 
So where should we start? Wow, there are so many different places. And to kick off our episode today, just want to let our listeners know that Beth and I are going to be digging in a little bit deeper into if you have issues with or challenges or struggles around confidence and assertiveness, we're going to be talking about how that works because we both have to do that every day in the business that we're in. Heck yeah. Um, power poses and all the things. So uh, we will get there. I think I would like to start off with just this whole theme that we are seeing with Nate. So yeah. I think Nate embodies the struggling leader so much. You, and I, I think for me, the reason that I love this whole theme is because I see so much of myself in corporate America in Nate in this situation. I, I was actually looking the other day in my closet because my son was going to prom and I pulled my, uh, one of my suit protector bags off so he could pack all this stuff. I have not put a suit on my body for probably six years. And I have a closet full of them and ties that are, I'm sure, way out of style because they're six and seven years old. I don't have any <laughs> of this, the skinny, which are now like, you know, the 80s ties have come yeah. back yeah. or have been back. I don't know. I don't pay attention to those trends anymore. But I just, you know, I, I tell people when I reflect on that time, I walked the talk, I talked the talk, I dressed the part. Um, you know, all of the, I guess I walked the walk. I didn't really walk the talk. Um, you know, I did all of those things and the, for me, and I'm really interested to see where this goes with Nate, because for me, what I wanted was the proverbial, um, invitation to the table, right? Like I wanted, I, I wasn't like, I was always the person who was like at the office when everybody went to dinner again, metaphorically, well, sometimes real because I was in sales too, but like, I was never the person that got in. I wasn't invited, but I, I so wanted to be like leaving with all the suits, you know, and going to the place. And cause it was usually, you know, there's lots of money in sales. So really good restaurants, lots of good wine, lots of great conversation, you know, the, and, and just lots of very extroverted people, which are my people. And then I remember I worked so hard to get there and I finally got the, the, I'm putting this in air quotes, the invitation to the table. And like, I'm literally walking to the table. And as I'm walking to the table, I look around and I'm like, I don't think I want to eat dinner with any of these people. I don't like the restaurant. I don't want to sit with them. Like, who am I going to sit? Like, I don't want to sit next to these people. And in fact, I don't really want to be here. And man, I'll tell you what, at that moment, it just became so crystal clear that that was not where I wanted to head. And also just a tinge at that moment of regret of what, like you've worked so hard to get here and it's not even what you want. And yeah. And the I sacrifices say, you made along totally, the way to get there. Totally. Yeah. All, you know, all the, all the things you know the the late nights and the traveling to places and and doing the things that i thought would get me recognized and and help me be there and i just see so much of that in Nate right now right like he's he's wearing the suit right to the game mm-hmm. and you know ted even makes a comment about him like how spiffy he looks and all you know all this stuff and 
um, it, <laughs> you know, he's trying really hard and it's just not what he thinks it is, but he hasn't gotten there yet. So he doesn't know it. And I'm, I'm really interested where the storyline is going to go with him, if he's going to realize that or not. Yeah, me too. And I, you know, I almost view too, like when I see people and especially Nate in this instance, you know, deciding he's going to start wearing a suit, that's a version of armor, right? That's like, he's putting on hundred percent a layer yep. of armor in order to try to compensate for the intense self-doubt that's going on inside him. Yep. Right. And yep. the reality of it is, is that's, that's what's happening in corporate a lot of times too. So um, <laughs> much, so right? like, much. That is all like physical armor in order to make themselves feel better because those jobs are number one, incredibly difficult. Number two, incredibly lonely. And um, yeah. every single person who's human in leadership has self-doubt. Like, 100%. am I doing the right things? But when you're at the top, man, you don't get to show that as much. So it's, again, it's just like layer after layer. And who would armor. you show it to? Right. right. Because like you can't, there's nobody at your level. Um, yep. and you, and you think that anybody else that's at your level has, has it all together, like in another company. And you're certainly not going to share it with those who report to you because that's weakness and vulnerability and all those things. And, you know, it's just really, um, <laughs> there's, I, I feel like we could do an entire show just about Nate but we'll, we would miss so many other things. Suffice to say here, he has this whole conversation with the lady about the window table who reminds me a lot of Phoebe's sister and friends, just yes. total flake, yes. total flake. And Ursula. the way that, yeah. And the way that she's cleaning the, the menus is yeah. if you haven't seen the episode, go watch it. It's hilarious. Um, But he's just, you know, he says like, because they're talking, there's football on the, on the television. He says, I know Roy Kent. And she's like, is Roy Kent your dad? And he's like, <laughs> no. And she's like, well, if Roy Kent ever wants the window table, you just let me know. So he realizes, so that's a really important piece because of what happens later in this episode. Yeah. That you're basically what was being said to him was you're not Roy Kent and you're not going to get it. And then the commentators are talking about a lack of leadership at Richmond. And he's, he is, which I see so much, and Beth, I know you do too. He, like so many leaders, he is telling a story to himself in his head. Oh, for sure. And and it is and it is a narrative that he's not. It 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 becomes a self fulfilling thing, and and so then what happens is he's take. I'm not Roy Kent, and there's no leadership at Richmond, and he doesn't talk to anybody about this. They don't have conversations about it, but the next thing that happens filters through that. And the next thing that happens filters through the things before and the things before and the things before and the things before. And before you know it, you've you've built this narrative that's complete bullshit, mm -hmm. but you are convinced that it's hundred percent true. Well, and, and that narrative is I'm not enough. Yes. Right. Like I'm not enough. Yep. And, and which by the way, is almost everybody's internal narrative. Oh yes. I mean, still I've, I mean, you and I both, we've spoken on stages in front of lots and lots of people and traveled to fun places and still there, I mean, it happens less, but there are still times when I'm on my way to a keynote. Like, what do I, what am, yeah. what do I why, why <laughs> for me? For sure. Yeah. And the, the flip side of that dialogue for anybody listening who struggles with that is I'm the person who they signed the contract with and I'm the person that's on the promotional materials and I'm the person who they're going to introduce to be the keynote. That's who I am. That's yeah. the, 
that's the the other side of the dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. So this whole and you know Nate not feeling like he's enough, unfortunately. Um, now in this one, I would say there was some reinforcement from Ted because they really want Isaac to get out of his head. And Ted says they need a real big dog to talk to Isaac and Nate hundred percent, like authentically is like, I'll do it. And Ted laughs and says, no, we need a real big dog. And, and you can just see Nate just gets deflated. And uh, and Ted is oblivious. Beard, as he tends to be intuitive in these things, is not. And when Nate walks out of the office, he goes, you didn't laugh. And Beard's like, no. He's like, you knew he was serious. And he's like, yeah. And Ted Ted does realize. So here's, here's a lesson for leaders. Realizing your missteps is not enough. Yeah. Because he, he realizes it. He's aware. Good for him. Let's applaud the self-aware leader. Yay. But he doesn't do anything about it. And Nate walks off. Re- I mean, and and again, Ted doesn't know about this whole thing with the, the window table and all that stuff that's been going on. But that that's why we cannot separate life from work because it is so intertwined. And it, that's why it was so important for Ted to go have this conversation with Nate. Yeah, he absolutely. Just, he just missed it. Yeah. And he. it's interesting because... Um, We've had a couple instances like this where something's happened and it's been a miss for Ted. Yeah. Um, some of that's due to just, I think the, the internal stuff Ted's got going on on his sure. own, you know, which totally extend lots of grace for that. But also like a lot of these issues could be quickly addressed. Um, right. With and a little bit of coaching and support. Right. And spoiler alert, <laughs> if you're a leader, you're going to miss stuff. You're not going to, you're, but flip side of that, is you need to be willing to say to your team, what am I missing? Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Because if we don't ask what we're missing, we're not going to find out and we're going to keep missing. So yeah. Yeah. It, so that then spirals into he there. Keely has gotten some sort of deal with a coffee yeah. maker company and all the players are getting coffee machines and Nate walks by and starts to grab his. And yeah, he like, no, those are just for the players. And again, you just see on his face, it's like another confirmation um, for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's and not enough. And and you can see, a, you know, I love the way that they use body language and stuff to to bring through the character. You can see his lack of assertiveness because he goes, oh, and he kind of mumbles it. He's like, oh, well, that's that's fine. I, I don't like the taste of coffee anyway. <laughs> and then he's like, it's it's he's like, <laughs> <laughs> and and Keely's not even listening, right? Keely's not listening. At all. And uh, I just, yeah, I thought that was so funny. I thought that was good. Yeah. So then that turns into Nate going to Keely and having a conversation about how does he become famous? Because he wants the coffee machine and he wants yeah. to be able to get the window seat in the restaurant. And yeah. that's where we really get into this meaty scene with um, Rebecca and Keely trying to help him. <laughs> but it's just thing after thing after thing that happens in this episode that, that really leads to, to where Nate's heads at. And, and I, and I think it's interesting in this part of where they, where we get into the scene, you get a little bit of insight. Again, if you're a leader and paying attention, pay attention to what Rebecca says and what Nate and Keely say to Rebecca, 
because she talks about, Rebecca talks about how she has to go into these meetings with all these football club owners and it's all men and she's the only woman and she walks into these things. And so she's telling that story. But before that, Keely's like, you're amazing. Whenever, like you, whenever you walk, like you own a room that you walk into and she's like, you so that's the perception, right? So again, the perception is that she's got it all together. Well, what you see, and I love this because you get a glimpse of both sides. You see what Keely sees that she just commands the room and she's got it all together. And Rebecca says, no, I'm terrified. I go in and I do this, this power pose and she looks like a dragon. Um, She's, you know, she does this whole, like, you know, like even the dragon face, but she's like, I make myself as big as possible. And, um, I maybe here's where we, you know, talk a little bit about what we do to, to dig into being, um, assertive and things like that. I have a, it's even, it's on my Spotify. It's called pre gig playlist Mm -hmm. and it is pump up music. Yeah. It's it's Eminem, it's old Van Halen, it's Metallica, uh, it's uh, but it's also Andy Grammer, which is hilarious because yeah. those that like it's just it's this mishmash, and there's some like just spoken stuff that's on there, but that's what I listen to. And I, I'm usually in the car by myself before a gig. Um, in fact, I'm I'm going to Southern Indiana tomorrow. And I will be cranking that playlist as I'm on my way, because that's how I do that. And then before I go on stage, I will get off, try to at least in a corner where nobody can see me and literally like shake out my arms and my legs Mm -hmm. and do a couple of jumps so that like the blood is flowing and I'm feeling energetic so that when I when I go up, I'm not, that's not the first burst of energy. Cause sometimes it can be a little much, let's be honest. No, I, Jason from no, the box. no, who would ever say that? <laughs> I've never you, experienced Jason. that. <laughs> what about you? What do you do for like to, to be more assertive or to <clears throat> your power? do you have a power pose? I don't have a power pose pose. I do think about, um, like just, what what's happening in my body. So I do like kind of do a scan of, okay, okay, do I feel tense? Do I feel excited? And just like notice that's part of my routine for sure. Um, I also have a pump up list. The music thing is really powerful for me. Yes. Um, and I often, if I have control over what's getting played in the room ahead of time, Same. again, I will, I will put that playlist on in the room Same. Um, just cause that's helpful. <laughs> It's yep. just helpful to get into that kind of energetic. I actually bring a speaker space. with me because I speak in yeah. some smaller rooms sometimes. Yeah. And I just bring up, it's called, it's literally called a mega boom <laughs> um, Bluetooth speaker. It's like, I don't know, foot tall. And it does a pretty good job of filling the room. Yeah. I love that. And then one of the things that has been really powerful for me over the years, especially as I watch more people with different kinds of styles than I have. Right. Um, there are a lot of people, in, especially in this age of TED Talks, where, um, to, you know, if you ever do a TED event, there's a level of like rehearsal to that yes. and like polish um, mm-hmm. that, you know, I would certainly aspire to. It's just not who I am um, as either. a speaker. And so one of the things that I always tell myself is that 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 isn't me. I'm an intuitive speaker. Yes. And so same. whatever I bring, whatever 
needs to happen in that room is what's going to happen in the room. Yep. Um, and I just have to trust my gut on, yep. on what that is. I, my rogueness is consistent <laughs> because yeah. I will go where the, like, I will pick up on something in the room and then go there. And that's, I think my superpower, but it took me a while to see that as the superpower and not as something that made me less as. Yeah. I, I think that's, uh, as I've quoted my friend, Brian Neal multiple times, and I think he stole it from somebody, but he has a phrase that he says it's in the room and you just yeah. you trust that. And, yep. and here's the, here's the other thing for those of you who are thinking like, Oh, I could never be a speaker or I'd love to be people. The people who are in the audience so want you to succeed Oh, for that, sure. That they are with you and they will help you. And they, um, we could do a whole, a whole show on, on all that stuff. Um, but just know that it's in the room. And, and what I find interesting about this scene with Rebecca, you know, they do this whole role play thing, right? Like he's coming, like Nate's coming into Rebecca's office and that's the, like going in to get the table. Mm-hmm. And the, it's also really funny because Rebecca's like, oh, where do you, do you need, I just love the way different people think at different levels. Cause she's like, what, where, where do you want to go? And she's like naming all these posh restaurants. He's like, no, he's like this place. <laughs> and, and, and she goes, well, I'll just buy the restaurant. Just buy right? it. Yeah. That's and Keely's like, no, like, no, that's, you know, <laughs> and some of us doing. again, like leaders, we just mm-hmm. want to come in. We'll just buy the place. Right. Yeah. We'll make it. And she's like, no, we need to teach Nathan. So Nathan does the first run and he comes in and he basically is just sh- like shouting. And I love and angry. He's real angry. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. pissed. Yeah. And 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 they say, um, don't be loud. Like being loud, you don't have to be loud to be aggressive. And I think so. I've I've worked for some people who are yellers. They think that that's the way that they get shit done. Um, and I love what she says. Find your own thing, Nathan, but don't back down. You deserve whatever you want. Yeah. Yeah. And Such that's, good. There's Keely with the pep talk again. Yes, she's got a gift. And I, as I was as I was watching this and making notes, if you've if you've watched other if you've watched to the end of season two, especially, I have to wonder: is this like the start of the end? Because is this good advice gone wrong? Like, I know Keely never thought that what happens at the end of this season is what happens or is what's going to happen. Um, so I think this is just a good reminder too of what people do with your advice does not that yeah. you don't own that. Yeah. You don't you can't say like, oh, well, I told them to do this and this. No, you told them to do it and how it how they wound up doing that is on them. It's not on you. Yeah, absolutely. Going back to absolutely. the your side of the line, their side of the line thing. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Cause I think there are several moments like that where he he takes super well-meaning advice and and then takes that too far. Yeah. And that's about him. It's not it's not about the advice. Um yeah, so then that that does end with him going um to yep. the restaurant successfully yep. getting the table. Not at first. Not so at he first. doesn't get what he wants, so he does have to be he does have to be assertive. Yeah, and there's talk about the bathroom part cuz I think we need to dig into that. Yeah. So he go, you know, he's, he's, so they get sad in the back. The, the window table is open. That's what he wants. Um, he goes into the, to the bathroom, tries the power pose and 
kind of his own version. And he kind of, you can sort of see like, ah, this isn't like this, this is stupid. And I found it really interesting. And Beth and I were talking about this before we hit record. And that is um, that he looks at the, he looks at the mirror and he spits and he's like, you're Nate. I can't remember Nate's last name. I don't know if you remember like Nate's last name or not. I can't um, either. But he says, you're Nate effing something. And then he walks out and like, that's his thing. But it, it looked to me like when he did that, that there was a shame thing there when he spit on the, on the mirror. And that's not, that's not the place to, to pull from (laughs) when you're trying to be a certain it's it, because when you, when you feel shame, you're going to come out of that in an attacking way because your shame comes from from hurts and wounds right so you're you're going to come out of that on attack mode and that's that's not the same thing as Mm -hmm. being assertive and so i just think it's interesting he gets what he wants yeah you know he gets the table i do find it interesting that when he does get the table there there's just one last little quick shot of his dad who just maybe he is but he just seems sort of unimpressed and uh, I think that's just a reminder to us that there are going to be people who are going to try really hard to impress, and we're going to really put in a lot of blood, sweat, and tears as Nate did to get this table. And it just is going to seem like it doesn't really matter. Yeah. And I think we also get, you know, another peek into this isn't the first peek we've had into his relationship with his dad, but it's another peek into, right. um, you know, clearly he does not have a dad who acknowledges his worth. Right. And that does not help with that inner story of I'm not enough. Right. (laughs) When you're having to prove worth to people who are supposed to love you. Yeah. That makes We're supposed to believe you're worthy from the the get-go. And we see another, uh, I'm not going to spoil it, but we see another piece of that at the beginning of the next next episode. Yeah, just really rough. And and again, those kinds of wounds that we carry with us from family, you know, again, those are going to carry over to the workplace. We want to, you know, in a perfect world, we want those things to be separate. And that's just, that's not how people work. Right. It's just not. So let's move our conversation from Nate and his assertiveness and finding, you know, kind of who he is to Isaac and this whole thing about yeah. Isaac's. Um, and I have to, we got to start with this, uh, with this quote that, uh, so Dr. Sharon comes in and, you know, cause Isaac is not playing well, he's yelling at people and <laughs> she, she comes into the office and she says, is Isaac okay? And Ted says, no, ma'am, he is not. He has a wigwam and a teepee right now. And she goes, I don't know what that means. And he looks <laughs> at, he looks at beard and beard goes, he's too tense. And they both go, boom. <laughs> And Sharon is just like, what the hell ever with your dumb. And I just, I just think it's so funny that they're, I love that they have these inside jokes that they're on the same wavelength. Um, And then you could, you could see again, like Nate with his, with his not so assertive way. Yeah. He's like, oh, he's wound tighter than my Nana's hairnet. And they're like, they're like, you know, nobody knows his Nana and she's like, well, when she wears it, it looks like puppies trying to escape. And it's just not, it's yeah. not nearly as effective as the two tents. Right. Um, so but he tried, bless his heart. He tried. Yeah. Bless us. I feel like we could say that about Nate a lot of times. Yeah. 
That's, he did this. Bless his heart. Bless his heart. Bless his little. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's so funny. That's it. So that's, that's how we start with this Isaac situation. So then they're brainstorming. Okay. What do we do? And Ted immediately um, says, I, you know, I think I know what to do. So he goes um, to try to find Roy. He's been trying to get Roy and, you know, back involved in the team in some manner the whole season so far. So he asks Keely, you know, where's, where's Roy at? And he's at this kebab place. Um, such a good, that's such a great scene. Oh my gosh. So good. So uh, <laughs> apparently to Roy, this kebab place is, is his basic church. Like it's church for him. Yeah. So then Ted really embraces that. Um, so funny. And he even like crosses himself before he sits down in the booth. Talks about transubstantiation of yeah. the kebab, like turning yes. into the blood and body oh, of Christ. And yeah. Roy's just looking at him like, what, like you're interrupting my church service, basically. Yeah. And, and when he leaves, he says, here's a little something for the offering plate. Like he, <laughs> you know, he just goes all in on this church metaphor, which is just. And kneels out of the, out of the booth. So good. Oh my gosh. But so, I think we so also funny. need to talk about what the kebab. I know. Owner, I loved that part. That was so good. So, so <laughs> good. So kick, kick that off for yeah, us. So basically uh, Ted, of course, who immediately becomes best friends with everybody, this, um, <laughs> this kebab shop owner, it turns out, um, quit middle medical school one week before he graduated because he realized it wasn't what he was meant to do. And then he opened this kebab place and I mean, dang, the amount of money and time and oh you know, just investment in, in that to walk away from it, to do what right. you love. I mean, that's brave and hard. Like, just And what I love about what the kebab owner, the kebab place owner said was like, I was, he's like bedside manner. I was good charting stuff. I was good diagnosed. Like I was, he's like basically saying I would have made a banger doctor. I would have been great. Right. But that's not what I was meant to do. And I got to tell you, as a, as somebody who encourages people to find their true fire, that, that yeah. spoke, that spoke right to my, right to my heart. And, and, and then I love, cause what, after he says all that, he looks at Roy and he goes, how's that kebab? And, and Roy's like, fucking great kebab and he's like he's like you could just he's like yeah, yeah. he's like you're damn right it is because i'm right. a good kebab. he's like that's and right. and that's where his joy comes from and uh you know didn't meet the expectations of the parents but that's that's his true joy and that feeds right into this whole thing with isaac and you know so he he basically says i i need you to help to help isaac get better and uh how do we do that and so I love Roy's approach yeah, to what he does and, and how he shows him. It's so good. Yeah. So he takes him to play soccer in his old neighborhood and um, he just finds the joy of the game again, which, you know, that's, that's it for so many things in life yep. is, is, you know, when we lose the connection with why we're doing it mm-hmm. <laughs> and it becomes about something else um, like money or power or you know, whatever that is for you, the secret of getting that back is to tap back into the, why, why the heck he got into it for the, in the first place. Cue the Ted talk. I don't think it's a Ted talk. Actually. I think it's just a YouTube video. Simon Sinek's find your why or start. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm amazed how many 
But yeah, yeah, I'm amazed how many people have not seen it. I know that. that one's so dang. I'm gonna link it in the show notes again. Yeah, it's it's so good. And what I what I really enjoy about this too is, you know, that Isaac is a bit incredulous with Roy, like, you want me, he's like, You want me to play here? Yeah. He's like, I'm a professional. Yeah. And and Roy just basically tells him, like, dude, you've he's like, do you remember when you he's like, this is where I used to play every day after school, you know, however mm-hmm. many hours a day. And he goes, and do you remember when you used to play? Because it was fun. You had fun playing. And what I love is, you know, he gets his ass kicked a couple of times at the beginning. Yeah. Isaac does. And uh, by the end, he's like scoring goals and dancing around and doing celebration dances with the whole team. And it's like really working out. And so obviously, you know, the, the plan of Roy's worked, which Ted kind of all along is like, you're pretty brilliant. Yeah. And Roy's like, is this because you asked me to, you know, is this because you secretly want me to be a coach? And Ted's like, no, well, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then there's some, some of the rom communisms started in that scene too, which let's do all of those at once. Cause I think they're all. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. You know, the other thing we didn't talk about during the kebab scene, I can't remember. Are you a Marvel movie person? Do you watch the Marvel movies? I've watched them, but I'm, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a casual watcher. I'm not a, f- I wouldn't say I'm a, a fan. fan. I got totally sucked into them, you know, with Sam, Sam started watching them three or four years ago and I started watching them disgruntily. And then I was like, dang, they're really very <laughs> like some of them, particularly the Avengers ones are, are my favorite, but there's a hilarious, um, end credit scene and i think the first avengers which i think is age of ultron <laughs> no not age of ultron the one that came before that but anyway they they're all fighting and in the middle of new york city and somebody says something about you know there's a kebab place around the corner and then the end credit of that movie is all of them at this kebab place eating kebabs like oh, all beat up cool. for the hilarious makes me laugh every time i think of kebabs that's what i think about cuz it's just this funny Bunch can't of find a good kebab in kebabs. Indianapolis. No, there's really not. Okay. All right. So we're going to save the rom-com stuff to the end, but I, th- I think uh, there's, so there's also um, this underlying, not even underlying, there's, there's a, a sort of a, a bit of a subplot here talking yeah. about like being authentic and your brand and all that sort of stuff. And you kind of have Keely who I think in one of the episodes, she, told Rebecca that she's famous for almost being famous. Yes. (laughs) And Rebecca's like, good luck with that. Yes. Um, And, you know, uh, there's this quote, she says, people who are amazing at their job don't have to point it out. Rebecca says that to Keely. Yeah. And she's like, actually, that's not how it works anymore. It's all about promoting your own brand, um, which I find interesting. So, but I think, you know, You've heard me say multiple times, ABB for always be branding. But if it's if it's inauthentic, if it's not truly who you are, it doesn't work. So you can't. It, I kind of I liken back to me in the suit. I'm yeah. not a. I mean, can you picture me, Beth? You know, no, you've I known me since time. I left that world. Yeah. Like me in a suit. Uh, I think there's about no it. way you were showing up authentically. No. Uh. Uh-uh. I was. I was very much muted, very much muted, um, and turned down. Yeah. And I mean, I worked for a 
conservative mutual insurance company for crying out loud. Yeah. I can't picture that either. That doesn't. Seven jobs in 10 years. That's how I did it. Yeah. Just a lot of bouncing. I was like Um, whack-a-mole. You couldn't couldn't get me because I kept moving. Yeah. I think that's, um, that's tricky. I I do think this whole thing about branding is an interesting thread and it leads to this really interesting conversation between Rebecca and Higgins, which is where the Yes. Um, name of this episode comes from. So Rebecca's trying to figure out, okay, how do I represent myself on this dating platform? Cause they're all on this new dating platform called banter that Keely's got them all on. And, um, she asks Higgins, you know, like, how did you, how did you represent yourself when you, you know, before you got married? And he just looks completely perplexed by the question. And then he ends up telling the story of how he met his wife, which was at a bar. It's hilarious. Oh my gosh. So funny. And that their song is rainbow and by the Beatles, by the Beatles, which is such a good, that's a great song to have as your song. Um, If you're not familiar with it, I'm sure it's on the YouTubes and that's Um, his ringtone on his phone. Yeah. So when his wife calls, that's what plays. Oh, I love it so much. Higgins is such a, He's such a sleeper character. You know? He is. <laughs> he's and he's like, he's like all the things that, I mean, you know, Ted gets a lot of the credit, but I think Higgins is, is a lot of the things that we all wish we could be too. Yeah. He's just not up. He's just not front and center, which servant leader, right? He's in the That's background. Right. He's just, again, a classic two leader of, yeah. I'm just here. I'm holding all the things together. You don't even have to notice me. That's fine. I'm just going to. That's a two on the Enneagram for those Mm -hmm. of you listening, not a two liter, like a bottle of Coke. Yes, exactly. (laughs) That did sound funny. Thank you for that correction. (laughs) He is not a two liter of soda. What's a two? Why, why do we call him that? Yeah. (laughs) So there's this, there's this whole situation, right? Where there, where Rebecca is trying to figure out who she wants to be, like you were saying. And, um, and She's texting her mystery man on banter. <laughs> Great quote, which I think, again, I think we could get, do an entire episode on this. But this quote by Rilker, who I thought they were saying Wilker because of their British accent. But it says, our deepest fears are like dragons guarding our deepest treasures. Oh, gosh, that's so good. And so, you know, she's on her phone and she's texting with this guy and then Higgins suddenly appears as he does often. That's the other thing I like about him. He's like, yeah, the, he's, he just, he like just shows appears. Up. Yeah. And uh, Rebecca's all, all, you know, like, did you, did you see what was on my screen just now, Higgins? And Drew mm-hmm. <laughs> Higgins for me goes, I have five boys. I don't ever look really? over anyone's <laughs> shoulders to see what's on their screens. And then he, and then he pauses and he goes, I used, used to. to. Yeah. <laughs> And then you can see this just like, he's like, oh, like the memories that you can only imagine of what he's seen. He's like, not anymore, uh, which which I just think is, I I just think it's fantastic. Higgins with the, again, just, you never know when he's going to show up and say something hilarious. Oh, it's so funny. So funny. Oh my gosh. I don't know this one about the GIFs. Oh, that's so, that? yeah. So that's, that's Roy <laughs> when they're at the kebab place. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And he says, cause he's like, you know, do you want to, do you want to do this? And, and he says, <laughs> he goes, people tweet about me with gifs and everything. Yeah. And is, and, uh, Ted goes, I know some pronounce it gifts, but I hear you, Roy. <laughs> uh, and it's just, it's just so funny again, right. That, 
that goes back to this like is that fame like is that what we aspire yeah. to is yeah. that like do we want people to tweet about us with gifs like is that is that what we're trying to get to because here's the other thing that i know cuz a few people very precious few let me just say that have tweeted about me but some people have also tweeted not so great things so like for all the all the things that are going to be great that are going to build up your ego there's also going to be people who are going to hate what you do and how you do it yeah that's just sure. a fact that's just a fact sure. of life oh my gosh so. i have to tell this feedback story because it still cracks me up so much so Please. i did this big event in november <laughs> it was an online virtual event <clears throat> you know couple, uh, probably three or four weeks later i got feedback back and i you know even when you you know, you've been doing this for a while. It doesn't matter. Somebody's going to have something to say. That's fine. I've learned to live sure. with that over the years. Yeah. So I probably got 500 pieces of feedback. One of them yeah. <laughs> was this guy who said that I was too joyful. I brought oh my too much gosh. humor and joy to a serious topic. And he didn't appreciate the light handed approach with the topic. Cause I was talking wow. about crisis leadership, which I do a lot now since writing the book and also called crisis proof leadership. But Thank you very much. I just, I, I still like, I sat there for a second and I was like, well, that's a new, that's new. That's new feedback that I've gotten. And second, like, can I give you a hug? Like what, right, like what right. is it yeah, that, yeah, yeah. about leadership that you think can't be approached with joy and a little level levity? It is hard. I get it, but yeah, like in order to help you, I'm going to try to see, help you see the other side of it too. I, I, I still can't get over that piece of feedback. And I'm, there's a part of me that wants to like print it out and be like, yeah, that's me. I'm yeah, happy. joyful. <laughs> yes. Know, like, and I, I wish, I wish you would because, <clears throat> and for those of you who, again, who might be endeavoring to go into this field or to speak in front of people or to do this sort of thing and, or you've gotten bad feedback before can Beth and I, will tell you that those comments are so much more about the person oh, giving them sure. than they are about you. Um, sure. I, My I other favorite the, one I've ever gotten. It was the guy who said, meh, that <laughs> was the only thing he wrote. Just <laughs> meh. And I was like, okay, all right. Heard, heard. Right. Oh my gosh. That's. <laughs> and again, you get like glowing, 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 right. glowing. Beth just changed my life. And then you get a guy who's like, Meh. <laughs> I I got one several years. I don't think I've shared this on the podcast. Maybe I have, but I got one several years ago when I was still employed in the corporate world. And I had, I had, you know, I was trying out my messaging and I was, uh, I was doing a breakout session for this conference, not paid, uh, just starting to try out my messaging, but I had broken my foot and I was on a knee cart. You know, I showed up, I'd, I'd, you know, I got accepted obviously before I broke my foot. So I showed up and the very first thing that I said, I'm, I'm in the front of the room on the knee cart with the boot on the foot that's up on the knee cart. And I said, before we get started, I just want y'all to know that I, I did extensive research on how to facilitate and be in front of a group on a knee cart and found nothing. And everybody <laughs> laughed. Well, not everybody. Cause this one jackass who, so I get the feedback. And this was again one of my very, very first. It may have been my first actually of like really trying out my content and material. And this, you know, by and large, there were like 40 people in the room. 
overwhelmingly positive. This is great. You did a great job. Love the energy, blah, blah, blah. Even on a knee cart, like, wow. Yeah. Some person said, I couldn't, I didn't get much, much out of your content because I was distracted by the knee cart. Oh, and I'm like, well, then you're an asshole yeah, like and you, gotta, you miss the whole point. Yeah. And how about like, yay for somebody showing up on right, a Right, like you could have canceled and you showed up totally. anyway and gave your heart. And yeah, that stuff makes me nuts. So but just again, know. Like that's about that yeah, person. That's not yes. about Jason. Jason's a total badass. I am I super that. joyful. Like that's. Yes, you are. are. Are like, that's fine. I yeah. get really excited and animated when I'm talking about leadership because it's important to me. And it's and stuff that, about it. right stuff that we we're like the kebab place owner. Exactly. We're super stoked about what we do. Yeah. And that, you know, that's not for everybody and that's okay. You're not a margarita. You can't make everybody happy. <gasps> like that. You're not a margarita. You're I not like chips and queso. Right. And, and here's the other thing, the phrase, and I'm sure I've said this on here, but well, it's, it bears repeating haters going to hate That's right. this for a reason, because there are always going to be haters. People yeah. just love to hate. Yeah. That's just, that just super, happens. super true. And okay. I, I, we can't jump into the rom-com stuff before no. doing that last oh, quote. Go ahead, you do it. Oh my gosh. So, <laughs> so this, you know, they're doing this thing with Nathan. He's trying to, to get up his confidence and Rebecca shows her power pose. And it's pretty like, I mean, it's it's involved, right? And Keely is completely awestruck. And I love this because only a Brit could say this. But she looks at her and she goes, fuck, you're amazing. Let's invade France. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Oh, my gosh. I died. It's such a good. So funny. Because oh my gosh, uh, I just—I mean, she's completely <laughs> awestruck, and you know, an American saying that wouldn't be nearly as funny. No, like, it has to be a Brit. Yeah, it has oh, to be a Brit. Gosh, it was so so good. And also, right. like, how awesome for Rebecca that she's got somebody as a friend who says stuff like that. Like that yes. has to be incredibly helpful for yeah. Rebecca and you know, you confidence. you said something to me on a on a post. I think it was around Christmas time that I have replayed. I just want you to know. Shut up. Yep. I'm getting a little emotional. I didn't no. mean to do that, but dag on it. Um, you said, I think it was a picture of all of us at Liesl's, um when we did our little yep. Christmas gathering. And you went through and talked about, like you did a little note about everybody, which I so appreciated. But you said something about me, which... I've kind of always hoped and believed for myself, but nobody's has has ever like put it into words. But you said something along the lines of like, and you you're like Jason, who who believes in you so much that you believe that you have the power to do anything. Yeah. I believe what I said is Jason, who will believe in you so hard. That yep. you can't help but believe in yourself. That's it. That's the that's what I remember. Ah. Which is so true. That's exactly true. You're so sweet. You were such a big part of me like having enough guts to quit my job because like you just made me believe I could. Yeah. That it was going to be okay and that I was a total badass. And so you are a total badass. I did I believed you. And it's so important to have those people in your life. And you're you've you've been that for me big time. Well, likewise. 
And I appreciate <sighs> that. So before, hold on one more thing. Cause I just saw it on our list that I just think is hilarious. Cause I wrote oh, the it whistle. Out. You got to do the whistle. No, well, the wi- I think, I think you do the whistle, but <clears> this <throat> other part, when they were at church at the kebab place, you know, Roy turns around, <laughs> he looks at Ted and he goes, he goes, Keely told me to expect a mustachioed surprise. <laughs> I that would about anger that. me. <laughs> oh, it's so good. And Fred and Ted's just standing there, you know, with that big goofy Midwest <laughs> grin on his face, like, oh, yep, here here I am. Am. Here the mustachioed, mustachioed surprise. It made you angry. It's gonna make you angry. So no, then you, the yeah. so this is a good lead in the indoor whistle thing is a good lead into yeah. the rom comedies and stuff. So they they are like dissecting tape. And they so they're in, you know, the, the room where they watch tape, the whole team and everybody. <laughs> and something I think Ted's trying to get everybody's attention. And Nate goes for his whistle and he goes, no, you have your I gave you an indoor whistle. <laughs> so that's what Ted says to Nate. So you know at some point Nate used a whistle inside in an inappropriate manner. And Ted had to give him an indoor whistle. And poor Nate, I think that just that continues with this this dialogue that he or this monologue that he's put in his head because he even tried. He's like, <sighs> yeah, he tries to blow it and everything lost <laughs> his heart. Oh my gosh, so funny. And then that's where they have the com- conversation about rom communism. You know, like we just really need to embrace rom communism right now. And everybody's like, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah. He was like, you know, that everything's going to work out in the end because it will. Yeah. And so that, that again is threaded all the way through the episode. So we tried to catch as many of the romantic comedy references as we sure could. We again, I'm sure there are some we missed, but we at least pulled the ones that we were familiar with and yeah. that we really loved. So when Ted sits down at the kebab place, he says um, to the, to the owner guy, I'll have what she's having, which is. <laughs> which is a <laughs> Harry Met Sally uh, yep. reference. There's a couple Harry Met Sally references. Um, do you yeah. want to do any of these? Or you want me to go through? Well, my favorite, of course, is as, the, you, wish. Uh, as you wish. Uh, I'm a, I can probably yeah. quote 90% of Princess Bride Same by uh, from memory. And again, there are people who are like, that's the dumbest movie I've ever seen. I'm like, oh, you just, you're, you're not you're my people. It. You're not my people totally, mm-hmm. which is fine. If you don't like it, it's okay. Um, that's fine. But as you wish, uh, which is what Wesley says to the princess, uh, he's the farm boy. And as the commentator or as the, what do you call it? Not commentator. Narrator. narrator thank you. Mm-hmm. Says, uh, he says, as you wish, which really meant I love you. Yes. And I've said that to my wife for 25 years. Oh, that's sweet. I didn't know that yep. part of the story. Yep. As you wish. That's very sweet. Yep. So, so <laughs> then when um, the first time that Ted is trying to get Roy to coach, he's yep. <coughs> Roy is having none of it, but he says something like, I'm just a boy standing in front of another boy asking him to be a coach, <laughs> which and is not like, Shut up. And Roy's like, fuck off. He's just not, you know, not having any of it, but a really nice Notting Hill reference there. And I can't remember when does the, you complete me happen. That's a Jerry Maguire reference. Yeah. I think, I think all of that is towards the end when, when Roy finally, you know, he, cause there's the, there's part of all of this, right. Is the, is what happens at the end of rom-coms where like, you know, the, the person is trying to get to the other person and a series of unfortunate events unfolds. The car runs out of gas. The yes. person gets on the train. They miss the phone call. The phone dies, whatever. And so Roy's trying like hell to get to the stadium. And, you know, so he runs there. And finally, they, I think that's where the, I'm just a boy 
uh, or no, that's where the, you complete me. And then the other one was, uh, as you know, when you real, I think Roy says that when you realize what you want to do with the rest of your life, you want the rest of your life to start as soon as possible. Yeah. Another Harry Met Sally. Sally. Yeah. Also Harry Met Sally. And then there's also another when Harry Met Sally at the beginning of the game, like when they cut to the game, right? they, they, are interviewing this like old couple in the stands. Yeah. That's also a Harry Met Sally yeah. um, reference. Cause that's makes me want to go back and watch when Harry Met Sally. Again. I know it's on Netflix right now. I just noticed the other day it was Ooh. there because I haven't watched it in a while. I'm going to have to that. And another really good rom-com. Oh, you got mail is on Netflix right now too, which oh, is another oh, wow. one of my favorites. Okay. Yeah. Which a lot of people these days, like, AOL, remember that? I think I know, like and the they have the dial-up and everything, and AOL instant messaging is in that one, and people are like, "What is this?" Yeah, Probably is... young people will never enjoy. You've got mail, no, as you know, it was intended because they have no contact. They're like, "What? What? You had to dial up to get?" I know. Like, it wasn't and the noise and the and if somebody else got on the phone, it would cut off your. Oh, connection. oh that used to make me so mad. Right. Because you'd All sit right. there for five minutes and then somebody would pick up the phone. Yeah. So nuts. Took anyway. like 45 seconds for a page to download. Exactly. exactly. All right. So take us home with the, the last days. one. And so then at the very, <laughs> the very end where Roy makes it to the stadium, he says something like, you had me at coach, <laughs> which is another Jerry Maguire. It's just so good. Like the way, again. Well, like and it's perfect that hard ass Roy is the I one know. who says that, right? You had me at coach. You had me a coach. And I love that even like the, like that the ending scene is, is Roy, that it's Roy who's having this like romantic comedy moment that just yeah. makes it yeah. all the more That's comedy brilliant. gold in my opinion. So brilliant. So brilliant. Yeah. So on the tips for confidence thing, like, I think we've kind of threaded those through the episode, but the other thing I would just like encourage you, if, if you're someone who struggles with confidence, which let's face it, that's most of us at some point yep. or another, you're going to struggle with confidence. Yep. I think one of the best, I, I would have two pieces of advice that, that we have alluded to, but I'm just going to say it out loud. The first is have people in your life who see you for who you are, even when you don't see that. So we are surrounded by people who are more than willing to champion us in ways that we can't even always champion ourselves in. And that's incredibly helpful from a confidence perspective. I got the sweetest text message from Rachel the other day, our dear friend, Rachel Pritz, who's also been on the podcast that just like knocked my socks off, like just out of nowhere. She sent me the sweetest text message and having people who do that for you regularly it's yep. just, it's a, it's a form of support that is really helpful when you're out doing hard things. So that's tip number one. The yep. tip number two, I would say is if you haven't done some kind of deep work on knowing who you are and what mm-hmm. you bring to the table, that's one of the best things I would recommend for confidence, yeah. because part of what helps with confidence is knowing what you bring to the table. Yeah. So if you're not super clear about what that is yet, which again, totally normal, that would be work to dig into because that is a lot of where confidence comes from. What else would you add? Uh, Well, before I add, I would say that I got a similar text message from someone in our group yesterday uh, afternoon from Liesl, just out of the blue. And it was just perfect timing. Great words. I love Liesl messages too. Liesl is a way that's like... And I always feel, I always feel she would, she would not 
she would not appreciate that I'm saying this, but I always, I'm like, I have to think really hard about how to respond. Cause she's so yeah, she's good. So good. Yeah. Like, like did I miss your socks off? Did I miss the, I, I want to make sure I capture all the essence. Well, and yeah. then I always feel a pressure when I'm trying to provide support to her that I know I'm not going to do it as well. As she does. Totally. <laughs> Cause she's gifted. She's gifted she is, at she providing support to others. So I always gifted. have to, I feel like I dig really deep when I want to have a supportive moment yes. with her. Because it's just, I know she knows how to do it well. So there's an added, added pressure to it. I would say, I would agree with what you said about making sure that you have those people. I mean, tribe is incredibly important. Um, We've talked about it a lot. I think to add on to that, you need to sometimes ask your people to remind you what you are good at. Um, I do an, I do an exercise. I don't think we've talked about it on the podcast, but I do an exercise called five by five plus one. So you pick five people. No, we have talked about it before. Have we? Okay. Yeah. So do five by five plus one, ask five people to give you, uh, four words that are great. One that you could work on and do the same thing for yourself. It, you, you will be blown. I guarantee you, you will be blown away at what people think. And, and so many of us stop at the, I can't ask because I'm afraid to know. How do you know if you don't ask? Yeah. So I would say that. And then the other thing is do something that's not like not like a climbing Mount Everest challenge hard thing to do, but do something that's yeah, gonna be that. that's gonna that's gonna pull you out of your comfort zone a little bit. Like present to people on an e-card if you've never done that. Like I I would I've been watching lots of comics and um I have this hidden desire. To be a stand-up comedian, and totally uh, rock that. Beth St. Clair said, "You just need to sign up for a class." And so, I that that is, I'm going to do it. Let's do it. To, let's do it together. That might be. I fun. would love to do that. Let's do it. Yes. See, this is a reason why I have why I'm on this podcast is because of exactly what you just heard. Beth goes, "Let's do it," and I'm like, "Okay, I'm in." And then so what now, will happen is Beth will go buy the tickets to it, and then yeah, what will happen? Yeah. <laughs> So, um, but that's something that's going to take me out of my comfort zone, but it's something I've always wanted to do. And how do I know if, I mean, I'm not going to be great the first time I get up on stage and do something, but I'm going to, I can, then I will be able to say I've done it. Yeah. I love that so much. And I think there's something that comes from doing something you didn't think you could do. Yes. Like, I think that I've noticed lately, and somebody told me this lately, it might've been, oh, it was Liesl. <laughs> of course it was of course. Liesl. Of course it was Liesl. She said something about, she hadn't noticed how much more confident I seem lately. Mm. And that it's part of it is because of the book, because when you do yeah. something you didn't yeah. think you could do, yes. there's something that comes from that. That's like hundred percent. I don't know. I don't know, have, know if I have the right word for that, but um, there's, there's definitely something that comes from that. So pushing yourself yeah. to do something, it doesn't have to be write a book, but you know, is it a marathon? Is it a 5k? Is it mm-hmm. apologizing to somebody that you didn't think, you know, like what, right. what is that thing? And, and I think sometimes the more we push us, push ourselves to do things we didn't think we could do, there's some confidence that comes from that. Right. Too. The other thing I'm going to link is, um, the, the research on these power poses that is talked about in the episode, yeah. that's real. And it's based on Amy, Amy Cuddy's work. Like she's somebody who's spoken about it and she has a great Ted talk about it. So I'm going to link that too. Um, definitely practices like that can be incredibly helpful. Yeah. Um, 
and I would encourage you just to to take a look at that if that's work that you're just not familiar with. Even smiling has been proven like yeah. it tricks your brain. Even yeah. if you're I have started recently when I'm driving down the down the road just to like if I'm just looking out the road is just smile for like yeah. 30 seconds. Like I'm going to smile until I get to the next stop sign. Yeah, and I it does, that. it makes, it makes a difference. And I want to add, you know, this whole confidence thing. So we, Beth and I both live in Indianapolis. It's a huge month of May here in yep. Indianapolis because of the Indy 500. There's a, one of the, I think it may be the largest half marathon in the country. It's a huge race. Yep. And one of my childhood friends this past week, um, ran the mini, which is 13.1 miles. Uh, so it's called here, the mini, and she challenged herself to beat her time that her 28 year old self ran all those years ago. She's wow my age. So she's 51. Um, she has obviously, she's like, I, I didn't do it until, you know, I did it 28 years ago, which was apparently the last time I was crazy enough to say I could run 13 <laughs> miles. So what did she do? She trained, she got a coach, uh, who I think was also her pacer. Cause she had a time that she, so yeah. this person ran the whole race with her. And I loved her post at the end um, after it was all over. She said, this person, you know, like I had all this great support from my friends. She said, I read all of your messages several times before I ran the race. I had this playlist um, and this person that I, that was my trainer and my pacer ran with me the entire time and never left my side. And I think there's so much in that, that we like, do you know how different we would be in life if we if we put that same discipline and that same framework and structure around things that we just do in our leadership and in our daily life, how you're that intentional to hit a goal. And guess what? She crushed her 28 year old goal. We really thank you for joining us again for another edition of the podcast. There are so many, I feel like we could probably could have done about five episodes from this one episode. There's just so much here to unpack, but I think, I think a good fitting wrap up and ending is if you do watch the, the episode, it is, it's interesting because it's, you know, it's, it's happening and it's, it's wrapping it up. Um, the way everything goes, this whole ending rom-com thing is the song rainbow by the Beatles Yeah, is playing. And, um, it's just so good. And listen, Beth and I know because we've been there and we're still there on some levels, um, that this whole confidence thing and your brand and really being authentic, like it takes, it's, it's not a one and done thing. It is a long process. And we work with people all the time including our own selves and with each other in the group that we're in, um, to get, to get better at this, to progress. Um, I don't think that there is a destination. It's definitely that. I think that the journey is the destination just continually being on there. And And we're happy to be on that journey with you. Yeah. hundred percent. And if you're looking for something to go maybe a little bit deeper and you resonate with Beth or I, or some of the other folks that have been on the podcast, uh, we would encourage you to reach out to us or reach out to them because I think the biggest thing that we hear from our clients, I have one I'm working with currently. He's like, I should have done this 20 years ago. Yep. When's the best time to plant a tree? 20 years ago. And also <laughs> today. today. Yep. Yep. And with that, we're out. Thanks we're out. We'll see you next week.
Are you leading people or dream of one day leading people? What are you doing to grow your leadership skills right now? Crisis Proof Leadership, where opportunity meets preparation, guides leaders through the seven principles of prepared leadership and helps them focus on the actions that will get them results, even during times of crisis. The book is easy to read and filled with activities and tools that will help you put what you learn into action. Grab a copy today wherever you buy books. And I can personally endorse this because I've read it and it's one of the most practical books on leadership that I've ever read. Go get one today. Thanks for joining us for the Diamond Dogs podcast. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the show. You can find us on Instagram at the Diamond Dogs podcast or wherever you like to listen.